0: Welcome into Lockdown Blackhawks. Today is Wednesday, August 19th, 2020. I am your host, Jack Bushman, tuning in for the 194th episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. As always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast for free wherever you may listen to your podcast, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. You'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day, so please be sure to go do that. Also, Please go follow our Twitter page, which can be found at capital L, capital O, underscore Blackhawks, with some really good stuff being posted there every day. By the way, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. And welcome back, Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Make sure to go to builtbar.com right now and use the promo code LOCKEDON in all caps, and you'll get $10 off your first Built Bar order. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, last night, the Chicago Blackhawks fell to the hands of the Vegas Golden Knights in Game 5 by a score of 4-3, to officially now being eliminated from the 2020 Stanley Cup playoffs. It was another hard-fought battle from the Hawks, I will give them that. Their third one-goal loss in this series. Uh, this series, it, it was a lot closer than it really looks in a 4-1 to decision, mostly due to Corey Crawford. But nonetheless, I thought the Hawks gave a good push in all these games, and I don't think uh, the decision was because of a lack of effort, it was simply because they were up against a much better team, the Vegas Golden Knights, a team that's made for postseason success, they're deep in every position, they even have two number one goaltenders, and they're probably the best team in the league at even strength, so the Hawks, kudos to them for sticking with it. and never giving up against just a far superior team. And last night, again, the Hawks certainly did have their chances to win the game. Uh, I feel like that was the story in each of these last three losses. Um, but for the second consecutive game, the Hawks jumped out to a 2-0 lead. Jonathan Taze knocked a rebound home for his first goal of the series. And then Alex DeBrinkett, who I predicted would score a goal in this game, tooting my own horn there a little bit, not going to lie, uh, he wound up doing just that, uh, a beautiful passing play between he, Dylan Strom, and Connor Murphy. But right when it looked like the Hawks had some momentum going into the first intermission, Vegas answers back with under a minute to play. Max Pacioretty scores his first goal of the postseason. Uh, And it came off a a tough bounce off of Jonathan Taze's stick. Bounces right to patches with a yawning cage uh, with 30 seconds left in the first period. Um, But then the Blackhawks shot themselves in the foot right out of the intermission. Mark Stone ties the score 57 seconds in after a horrible change by the Blackhawks in transition. They get caught in scramble mode and all of a sudden... All that hard work in the opening 20 20 minutes is gone. Uh, The tremendous play from Corey Crawford's for nothing. We're back at even. Two goals in less than a two-minute span between the first and second periods, and that was really the change of the tides in the night's favor. The Hawks were able to regain their lead. Patrick Kane finally got on the board in the series, just his second goal in nine postseason games. That's not nearly enough for the Hawks to be in a position to move on to the next round. Uh, But that goal by Kaner, that actually wound up being the final tally of the 2019-20 season for the Chicago Blackhawks. It is just a few minutes later. Vegas answers back once again. I feel like that was kind of the motif of the series. Right when the Blackhawks are starting to get comfortable or get ahead by a goal, Vegas answers back right away. Alec Martinez does the job on this one. The Vegas Golden Knights finally cashed in on their power play. Their first PPG of the series comes in game 5. So, I have to give a quick shout out to the Blackhawks penalty kill. They certainly did their job in the series. They were on a streak of 14 consecutive kills and had gone 9-for-9 before that goal in the series, so uh, that was definitely one of the reasons why the Hawks were in all the games in the series, basically. Um, But going into that third period, I think we were all hopeful that the Hawks would be able to play some desperate hockey and get some sustained pressure in the offensive zone, but... None, none of that happened. They were outshot 11-7 to seven in the period. On the brink of elimination, you put just seven shots on goal in the final 20 minutes. Not nearly good enough. And again, that was just the sign of a team that's up against another that's just on a completely different level. The Knights are a Stanley Cup-caliber team, and the Hawks, well, they they haven't been there in some time now. And then the inevitable happened. Vegas took the lead for the first time in the game early on in the third period. Adam Boquist gets completely bodied by Alex Tuck as he just used his size and speed against the much smaller and inexperienced defenseman to get to the net and stuff one past Crawford. A toughie to give up there, Boquist, he struggled a lot in these playoffs, and after that goal he was on the bench for a good 10 to 11 minutes or so, and there, uh, he, he didn't play it horribly. It, he's just outsized and not experienced enough to handle a big boy like Alex Tuck. six foot four, long reach, over 200 pounds, a former uh, 12th overall pick in the NHL draft. I believe if he went 12th. I know he was a first-round pick of the Minnesota Wild. But, yeah, that w- that was just a case of Boquist just being mismatched in transition. And Tuck got the best of him, and unfortunately, yeah, that's going to happen. Boquist is going to probably be on the bench after... Given that one up, he just has to, I don't know, I, I say maybe he has to do a better job of defending, but at the same time, he's just not at that level yet, so I'm sure with more experience and once he actually gains some weight, he'll be able to do just that, but that wound up being the game-winning goal for the Knights Is the Hawks were never really able to get anything set up in the offensive zone, even with Crawford out for the extra attacker. There were a couple of good looks in the dwindling seconds, but the Hawks couldn't find a way to beat Leonard for a fourth time in the contest. The final horn sounds, and that's all she wrote for the Blackhawks this year, officially losing their best-of-seven series to the Vegas Golden Knights 4-1. to some, some cool moments in the handshake lines after the game. Crawford and Leonard hugging, and also Leonard just meeting up with a bunch of his former teammates And being the good guy that he is, he made sure to say after the game in his post-game interview that it's nothing but love for the Blackhawks and the organization and that the Hawks have a bright future ahead of them. So congratulations, Robin. You certainly deserve all of this success now that you finally have a good team in front of you. And go and get that Stanley Cup, buddy. I don't think there would be a Blackhawks fan in Chicago who would mind seeing that. Alright, coming up in just a moment, I am going to take a look at the box score from Game 5 and talk about how each player fared in the final game of the 2019-20 season. But first, I need to talk about Built Bar, which is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, believe it or not. Built Bar is back and they now have 18 flavors, 6 of them are new, the 6 new flavors being Caramel Brownie, Cookies and Cream, Cherry Barcia. Lemon Almond Cheesecake, Carrot Cake, and Apple Almond Crisp, all of which, like the other 12 flavors, are covered in 100% real chocolate and are soft, easy to chew, and great for the keto diet. Not only are all the bars low-calorie and low-sugar, but they are also a great source for protein and fiber, so make sure to go to BuiltBar.com today and use the promo code LOCKEDON in all caps to get $10 off your first order. Built Bar is also currently giving away a free cooler with every purchase. So now is the time to pull the trigger for the best protein bar on the market. One more time, be sure to check out builtbar.com for a delicious and healthy snack option and use the promo code LOCKDOWN in all caps for $10 off your first Built Bar order. This is the Locked On Blackhawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for listening today. I am your host, Jack Bushman. Be sure to check out my personal Twitter page at Jack Bushman 2 and my Blackhawks Twitter page at Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. Also, be sure to subscribe and follow Locked On Blackhawks for free wherever you may listen to your podcast, and also on Twitter, to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out every day. Alright, so I just finished recapping the Blackhawks' Game 5, 4-3 to three loss to the Vegas Golden Knights. Now taking a look at the box score from the game, and it was probably what she expected. Starting off with the Hawks being outshot 39-26, They weren't able to keep Vegas close to that 30 mark. I talked about how I thought that was going to be a big key going forward in the last couple episodes. And then, also, the Hawks themselves didn't put 30 shots on goal in a single game in this series. Now... Vegas did allow the fewest shot attempts per game during the regular season, so that definitely played a part in that. But also, the Hawks just passed up on way too many opportunities to shoot the puck in this series. And really, it it happened all postseason. A lot of the times... For whatever reason, they just refused to make the easy play and tried to get too cute, and and it really cost them in this first-round series. Uh, Against a sound defensive group like the Vegas Golden Knights, you have to put everything you can on that and get bodies in front to try and cause havoc, and I just don't think they did enough of that in this series. I, I hope Jeremy Colleton was preaching that to the boys in the locker room throughout, but they just looked way too complacent with trying to make the fancy plays in the offensive zone. We even heard Pat and Eddie getting upset in the broadcast booth about it. So shots on goal, the Blackhawks really shot themselves in the foot because they weren't making the easy plays and just putting the puck on net when they had those opportunities. The Blackhawks did continue to be the better team at the faceoff dot as they won 55% of the draws as a team in Game 5. And overall in the series, Jonathan Taze, Dylan Strom, and David Kampf all finished well over 50%. Well, Kirby Doc was the only one who really struggled, as, as expected, winning less than 30% of his faceoffs, an ugly number there, but one that I don't think any of us are too surprised by uh, considering that he's still only 19 Um, looking at the special teams department now There were only two penalties called in this game, and the Hawks came up empty on their power play, and Vegas converted on theirs, so they won the special teams battle in this game for the first time, really, in the series, and look at that, a one-goal game where the special teams play really made a huge difference, Uh, not hating on the penalty kill or anything, it's just the power play. The PK was great in the postseason, they gave us a chance to win every night, but the power play was non-existent after scoring three goals in that opening game against Edmonton. We never saw Kubalik at the right circle shooting one-timers again. The Hawks had trouble entering the zone. And also, Leonard and Fleury both made some big saves when they were shorthanded. But overall, the Blackhawks, without a doubt, they're they're way too talented to be doing this on the power play, and it's been this bad for some time now. So this offseason, it has to get figured out. No more being in the bottom 10 in the league, and we just cannot have that happen again. The special teams play has been bad for the Blackhawks, I swear, for six or seven years now. I know we had one good year when we had... Artemi Panarin at that left circle, but I feel like since we won the Stanley Cup, we've been in the bottom third, bottom ten in the league every year on the man advantage, and this offseason has to be the one where we turn that around. Taking a look at the possession numbers now, and The Hawks kept their lines the same for uh, most of this game. Patrick Kane was double-shifting a bit. and He finished with over 21 minutes of ice time. And we saw Saad jump on the ice with the top line for a couple of shifts. They scored a goal together as well. But Jeremy Colleton kept John Quenville on that line for most of the night. Quenville slotted into the lineup for Game 5, a decision that a lot of people didn't like, I understand, but it's not like Nylander was actually going to do anything. I think Sakura should have probably been the one to get a look, uh, but they didn't go that route. What I had more of a problem with was John Quenville playing big game minutes for the Hawks in an elimination game. Like, He was out there with two and a half, three minutes left. Come on, Jeremy, you can't be doing that. And that line of Quenville, Tays, and Kubalik was really bad on the night. They were on the ice for just sh- uh, six shot attempts, four to 14 against, and 10 minutes of play together. Just not sure why Quenville is playing over really seven minutes in this game. They got to be getting Kaner more of a look on that line. Uh, another questionable decision from Jeremy Colleton. And reasons like that are why he's going to be on the hot seat this offseason. The Hawks rolled with a second line of Drake Kajula, Kirby Doc, and Patrick Kane for Game 5, and they weren't horrible. They were on the ice for uh, one goal, four against with a 43.5 Corsi percentage. I liked Kajula's game once again last night. He picked up a point for the third consecutive game with an assist on Kane's goal, and then although Dock has been kind of quiet of late he was still battling hard and putting himself in good areas he just needs to learn to be more aggressive and shoot the puck I actually got a tweet last night from someone uh saying they should put Kirby in the shoot the puck events during the second intermission which I found hilarious but he still had a a tremendous postseason for his age and I'm really excited for the player that he's going to grow into for us the third line of Brinkett, Strom, and Saad was actually the best possession-wise for the Blackhawks last night as they were on the ice for one goal, four to one against, but with a 64.7 Corsi percentage, by far the best from any line. And they had a beautiful passing play for their goal. Dabrinkit also had a bunch of good looks again, so a pretty solid outing from that trio in their final contest of the year. And then the fourth line of Ryan Carpenter, David Camp, and Matthew Highmore, not very good, they were on the ice for just four shot attempts, four to twelve against, in over nine minutes of play, four shot attempts, four, it's pretty gross, uh, not nearly the fourth line that Vegas has, but they also battled hard throughout these playoffs, Matthew Highmore tallies three goals, no one saw that coming, and they all did well on the PK, so for me, there's no complaints about that fourth line in these playoffs. Moving on to the defense now, and Keith and Boquist, they only saw six minutes together at even strength. Boquist only had eleven minutes total in game five, but they were actually pretty good possession wise on the ice for eleven shots four to seven against uh one goal the one goal against being uh Alex Tuck's game winner, an unfortunate play there but uh Duncan Keith himself he had a rough night. He was on the ice for all four Vegas goals, one with Boquist I just mentioned, and then two with Connor Murphy. They saw eight minutes of ice time together, 10 shot attempts, four to eight against but sadly, one goal for to two against, and then he was. All, uh, Keith was also out there for the power play goal for Vegas, so Keith winds up being a minus two in this game, a minus seven on the playoffs, and I'm not saying that that's bad, he plays nearly half the game every night for us, so you kind of expect those results. He certainly had his good games in this postseason, but Tuesday was just not one of them. The Dahan-Murphy pairing, they did not have a good night as well. They were on the ice for seven shot attempts, four to 15 against. That's kind of the story of the postseason for those two together. But they were on the ice for one goal to none against, so they hung in there when they were on the ice and gave their guys a chance to hang in there. I'm sure Crawford made a bunch of big saves to make those numbers not look uh, horrible. And then Olimata and Slater Cuckoo, they had the same kind of night. They were on the ice for one goal, four to none against, but they posted a 33.3 Corsi percentage, so they kind of had a rough go of things as well. But overall, those two guys in the playoffs performed magnificent, very, very impressive. Olimata was bonkers offensively, just tough to see their year end on this kind of night. Alright, coming up in just a moment, I am going to continue to talk about the Game 5 loss to the Vegas Golden Knights, and I'll also talk about what's next for the Chicago Blackhawks now that their Stanley Cup postseason run is over. Locked On Blackhawks podcast. As always, I am your host, Jack Bushman. You can reach me on Twitter at JackBushman2 or at Hockey. or you can also always email the Locked On Blackhawks email, which is Blackhawks at gmail.com for any questions you have about the show, myself, or anything that has to do with the rest of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Okay, so we just wrapped up looking at the box score and the possession numbers from Game 5. And now that the Blackhawks are officially eliminated from the Stanley Cup playoffs, I'm sure a question on a lot of people's minds is, what's next for this organization? Well, it's going to be an offseason filled with plenty of tough decisions. From the top of the organization all the way down, it's going to be interesting to see what Rocky Wirtz and the front office decides to do. The first decision is, who's going to be the new president of this franchise? We heard Rocky join 670 The Score the other day and say that his son, Danny Wirtz, who is currently filling in as president in an interim capacity after John McDonough was fired back in April... Uh, Rocky said that Danny will only be a temporary replacement as president. Wirtz said that the Hawks were going to wait until the end of their postseason run to start looking for candidates, and, well, that's now. Here we are, so (laughs) the search is officially underway, and while we're not sure who is going to take over, Wirtz did mention that whoever it is will certainly be more than just a hockey mind. Another big question the organization needs to ask themselves is... If there are the right leaders in place to turn this thing around, I think both Stan Bowman and Jeremy Colleton are on the hot seat, and while they both have a chance of being fired this offseason, I think it is Stan's mess originally, so I think he would have to go first. It was interesting now to see Jonathan Taze, I don't know if a lot of people caught this, but Jonathan Taze, I'm not sure if this was intentional or not, but... After the game, he gave the coaching staff the cold shoulder a bit while walking off the ice following the Game 5 loss, and I've never been convinced that the team has bought into Jeremy's ideas. So there is certainly a chance that someone else like Gerard Gallant or someone like that could be behind the bench for the Blackhawks next year. That's going to be a big question going forward if Jeremy Colleton is the guy or not. There's also the issues with the cap space because of COVID-19, and the Hawks will have to re-sign Dylan Strom, Dominic Kubalik, and potentially Corey Crawford, and then Slater Cuckoo and Drake Kajula are also free agents, so if the Hawks want to bring all those guys back, or even a majority of them, there's going to have to be a couple of financial transactions in the off-season. And speaking of Crawford, there's the number one goaltender situation. Have we seen the last of Corey Crawford in a Blackhawks uniform? Will he take a, home count, a hometown discount to come back this offseason? Or do the Hawks want to move in another direction now that he's 35 years old? There's a lot of questions to be answered with the netminder role as well. There's also the question surrounding whether the team will buy out Oli Mata and Zach Smith. Mata, of course, was tremendous for us in these playoffs, but he also carries a $4 million cap hit, which is kind of pricey for a fifth defenseman. And then Smith, he brings kind of a veteran presence to the locker room and is a solid bottom six piece, but also kind of has a ludicrous contract. There's also the Alex Nylander situation. What do we do with him? Do we give him another year to develop, or do we try to move on and cut our losses for the 2016 first-round pick? There are just a ton of questions surrounding the Chicago Blackhawks now that the season is over. And don't worry, we got a solid three months or so until we see game action again. So I'll be right here five days a week, Monday through Friday, to discuss it all. I also want to announce that I am going to start to do Blackhawks 2020 postseason recap segments with one player being reviewed every day, much like I did with the regular season recaps before the postseason started. So I will be starting that up tomorrow and be sure to tune in to see which player gets the honors of going first on my new Blackhawks 2020 postseason recap segment. All right, so I think that is going to wrap up Wednesday, August nineteenth episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. Thank you again for tuning into the show, and be sure to subscribe and follow the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast for free right now on your favorite podcast app, and you'll get the latest episode as soon as it comes out every day. And after the show, ask your smart device to play the Lockdown NHL podcast for all the latest news from all the teams that are still remaining in the first round of the 2020 postseason. Thank you again for tuning in to today's episode. I am your host, Jack Bushman. You can catch me on Twitter at my personal account at Jack Bushman2 or my Blackhawks account at Talk and Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. For any questions at all regarding anything related to the Locked on Blackhawks podcast, you can always email lockdownblackhawks at gmail.com or call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. So until tomorrow's episode Thanks again for listening to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.